Welcome to the Church Intention Podcast, powered by the King's University and Gateway Church. This is a place to have healthy conversations about areas of tension in the church and the intentions of the church. To dive deeper into the conversation and for more content, visit churchintention.com. Now let's join the King's University president, Dr. John Chesteen, for this episode of Church Intention. Hey, what's up, Church Intention family? So glad uh, that you're joining us again for another episode. Uh, This week, we have an amazing guest. I'm going to introduce him to you in just a moment. We are sitting here at the King's University, uh, where I serve as the president. And I'm just going to give a shameless plug. If you or somebody you know is looking uh, to start a degree, finish a degree, bachelor's, master's, doctorate degrees, uh, I would encourage you to go to tku.edu. Our guest today is actually a current student at the King's University. This guy is one of my favorite humans. Um, he and I went to Israel together a couple of years ago, and uh, his name is Jelani Lewis. Pastor Jelani is a pastor at Gateway Church. Uh, he now serves as a campus pastor. He served in many roles there, and he's served at many of the campuses as a campus pastor. But his latest and newest upcoming uh position is going to be the campus pastor at their new Plano campus that will be launching soon. And, uh, and so he also oversees four other campus pastors for four other campuses as well. So he's currently working on his master's in organizational leadership at this really awesome school called the King's University. And he, uh, he's married to his wife, Erin. They have four children and they have a brand new baby. So Jelani, I'm so glad you're here. You're probably sleep deprived. Very sleep deprived. So How's that going? No telling what I'm about to say in the next couple minutes. Isn't this like your twelfth kid though? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it. Feels like it. No, four. This is just four. Just. This is four. Yes. Come on. What, what are you, what are the ages of your kids? So I've got a seven year old daughter named Judah. You're starting at seven. Starting at seven. Seven year old okay. daughter named Judah. Wow. Yes. Five year old son named Jaden. Wow. And then a twenty month old daughter <laughs> named Jordan. And, and a three-week-old three week. little boy named Justice. You guys didn't mess around. You were like, just, just, just do it. Get well, it the fourth one was a surprise. Oh, ah. was not in the plans. I see. Yes, yes. very surprised about number four. Mm-hmm. Obviously, God's got plans. And but he's going to be the most special. Absolutely, Jelani. I'm I'm pumped that you're on here today. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for hanging out. Honored we, to be here. We always have a good time together, mm-hmm. and I respect you so much as a leader. And um, let's just chat. It's great. How did how did you get into ministry? Great question. So I never ever wanted to work for a church. I literally said to the Lord, I surrender my life to Jesus as a teenager, but essentially said to God, I will do whatever you want except for working for a church. Isn't that the formula to get into it ministry? Is. It's, it was it's for like me. Basically, he just went check. You'll be there. It's like what you don't want to do. It's like, oh, okay. Let me gotcha. write that down. Yeah, because you. It's it's interesting because I said I surrender my life to you. Yeah. But here's the thing that we can't do, and so I've been tempted uh, to say, God, I don't want to be a billionaire. <laughs> Anything but a billionaire, Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. Just don't send me to Hawaii, Jesus. Please don't send me to Hawaii. Uh, but some of it, honestly, John, was my experience growing up. My mm-hmm. mother was um, a worship leader in several different churches, different denominations. Uh, We finally landed in a church where the pastor was really called to the inner city, so our church was in the middle of the project. So uh, no income, no staff, 
dealing with a bunch of different issues. And uh, Pastor had a son around my age. I saw their lives, and I, I just didn't want that. Wow. And so uh, some of it now I look back and go, that was my own immaturity. Yeah. Uh, the man is doing what God called him to do. And But for me, I just went, I don't want that life. And so yeah. as a teenager, when I surrendered my life to Christ, I did not want to go into ministry. And so I uh, went to school at Louisiana Tech University, transferred to the University of Central Arkansas, uh, when I graduated from there, and mind you, all the time I'm going, I, I love Jesus. I just, yeah. this this ministry thing is not for me. Yeah. And so I uh, ended up um, graduating college, working for a faith-based nonprofit organization for about a year and a half. And one of the guys I'd played college football with, uh, his dad has a prison ministry here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the the gentleman I played football with, he felt called to start a youth prison ministry to coincide with his dad's prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And I left Arkansas to come to Texas and work with him. In my mind, it was still not vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. I still wasn't working for a church. It was a parachurch ministry, and yeah. we coached high school football. So I thought, I'm still cool. Like, everything's <laughs> cool. Uh, and so I get here and... I am. What year uh, was that that you were coaching? So football? I would have been 2005. So were coaches still wearing those really short shorts? No, we were. Okay. You didn't have to do that, <laughs> and not the tube socks. No, no, the I tube didn't, socks I, and the I short didn't have shorts. The tube socks because I just had this visual. I had this visual of Jelani standing on the football field with tube socks <laughs> up to his knees. You were thinking about my quads. So thank you, thank you for this. No, uh, sorry no, for derailing. No, that no problem right at all. <laughs> no baggy shorts. Okay, baggy, baggy shorts, shorts. were there. Uh-huh. That's true. And uh, and so uh, we ended up. Uh, winning the state championship that year. And wow. uh, yeah, it, w- it was an awesome experience, but uh, coached the all-star game and coached the all-star game with the guy that was going to Gateway Church. Okay. And so um, because with the all-star team, we had pulled people from different uh, different schools. We all gave our histories. And I mentioned the high school that I went to in Shreveport, Louisiana. And this coach after that meeting came up to me and said, I said, you were in Shreveport and you went to this school? I said, yeah. And he said, I may know someone you know. He's a pastor at my church. And I said, who? And he said, Byron Copeland. Well, Byron Copeland, I had known since I was 13 years wow. old. He was my football coach, baseball coach, string trainer, all of that in high school. And when I graduated high school, we kind of lost touch. I saw him maybe twice in a seven-year time span. And then ultimately what happened is when he said that, I reached out to Byron and said, I just want to connect with you. Yeah. Byron and I start spending time together. And ultimately one day he reaches out to me and says, um, we have an elementary director's position open at the church. Mm. Would you be interested? Well, again, so I grew up, when you talk about an elementary director, I'm thinking felt boards, things like that. And and that was the ministry that I experienced as a kid. Mm. Uh, and, and so I'm going, I'm not sure about children's pastor, but I can tell you for sure I don't want to work for a church. And I, I'm pretty sure I told him I'd pray about it because that's spiritual, but there was no way that was happening. So two days later, I call him back and say, I'm not doing this. And uh, and he really challenges me. He says, look, you uh, basically challenge me to a place to go, Lord, I really want what you want. So I need you to speak to me. And so, John, I start praying and literally it's like I hear this loud thought in my head, Acts 13, 36. Wow. Open up to act. Now I'm I, I'm the guy that sometimes I hear a loud thought in my head. Open it up. Open up the scripture in the Bible, and it's like Judas hanged himself. Like I, it, it is not a good situation for me. So I hear Acts thirteen thirty six. Open up the Bible, and it's when Paul is talking about David, and he says, "And when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, then he fell asleep." Mm. And when I read that verse, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "Jelani, this is part of your purpose in your generation." Mm. And that's when I started working at Gateway Church. Wow. Yep. 
And your your first role was as what? I was an elementary director. Elementary director. Like, would, would you have ever in a million years dreamed yourself? No. I, that that was not – so to be fair, um, when I worked in the nonprofit organization in Arkansas, we yeah. worked with elementary students, middle gotcha. school students, high gotcha. school students. So for me, there wasn't necessarily – I felt like, by God's grace, I could work with elementary, middle school, yep. high school. It didn't matter. Done it, yeah. um, I don't know if I would have thought I would dress up like Medea in front of kids. <laughs> I don't know if I thought that my name would be changed to Pastor Jalalipop. Like, I didn't Jalali know all this Pop, stuff was going awesome. down. Yeah, that, that wasn't part of the plan. I'm going to call you that from now on. <laughs> I should have never said anything. <laughs> Jalalipop, that's so good. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Did you have to talk in a higher voice, too? <laughs> no. Because you're talking to kids. It's like, hey, kids. No, no, I tried to make my voice. I, I was really trying to introduce them more to, like, uh, the boys to men, deep voice. There boys, you go. You know, like, hey, kids. What's this going is Jelani Pop. Is, <laughs> Jelani Pop. Oh my god! Uh, okay. I should have never said it. Yeah, I, I knew we'd get we'd get off track. Here, Absolutely. So Absolutely, that's just kind of what we do when we get together. <laughs> that's cool. So, so how long did you do that? Kind of tell me the next steps, yep. and then I'm, I'm I, listeners. I promise I'm going somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, in children's ministry for five and a half years, um, elementary director. Then I became the elementary pastor. Then I started our fifth and sixth grade ministry. Mm-hmm. Did that for five years and then uh, transitioned to what we call an associate campus pastor. So each of our campuses has a campus pastor. And we also have associate campus pastors, which are basically number twos on the campus and campus pastors in training. And uh, and so did that for four years, and then I became the campus pastor of the Frisco campus. And uh, did you have – you know, obviously you didn't have any – directive you didn't have an ambition necessarily to go into ministry but you saw your your influence begin to increase right yep. and you're getting promotions and promotions and from what I, how many years have you been at gateway 15 15 years mm-hmm. so you i mean gateway started in 2000 mm-hmm. so you were there from from the early 2006. days 2006 so you've kind of you know for lack of a better term climbed this ladder so to speak mm-hmm. been around the block mm-hmm. you've, you've you've increased your influence and even now, you know, I've, I've known you for three years now and seen you grow even more. You're preaching at Gateway. Uh, there's a call on your on your life for the future. We don't know what or when that is, but I've seen you. Is Was there ambition for that? Did you, was there something that you, because there's this, kind of this thought, this is where I'm going with all this. Yeah. Sometimes when people are in ministry, it's very easy to take our eye off of what we're ministering, what we're doing in the moment because our ambitions drive us. And so we have this ambition or this drive to become the next blank, right? So I'm a youth pastor for now, but it's only because I want to do blank. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a campus pastor, I'm associate campus pastor now, but it's only because I want to do blank. What are your thoughts on that? Is that is that healthy to do? Is it unhealthy to do? Did you do some of that? Sure, sure. What's been your experience? Great question. So part of it for me, I think it's important to at least say at the onset, I don't know if I ever even saw myself as a leader. Wow. So there's there's a verse, I think it's like First Chronicles 15, 2, and it says that, and David perceived he was king, yep. or he realized he was yep. king. So there's this moment where where it's almost like David looks around and yep. goes, 
oh, wait a minute, you, you've given me this to steward. Yep. So coming into Gateway, I was such a broken mess. I mean, mm. I was one of those guys, I was saved, but I wasn't free. And the oh. Lord had taken me on a, on a journey for healing. And so there was a lot of shame that I dealt with. And, and what happened when I came into children's ministry, by God's grace, he put me essentially in a greenhouse. I was uh, under the oversight of, uh, at the time, the children's pastors, Ken and Mary Jackson, and they, were, they created an environment of grace and truth for me. Yep. I needed a lot of grace and a lot of truth. And they did both very well. And so kind of in that process, they started speaking things over me and identifying things in me along with Pastor Byron Copeland, the the gentleman that I mentioned earlier. So what I feel like happened was coming into Gateway, I was so broken. I'm just happy to be anywhere. And then all of a sudden I get in this environment with some people who really love me. Uh, and they essentially begin to look in me and going, Jelani, we see this in you. We see leadership on you. We see this ability. We see a communication gift. And they're essentially throwing fertilizer on those yep. things. I, yep. I heard uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jake say one time they were asking him about how, uh, when did he know he was a preacher? And he said, I didn't know I was a preacher. Mm. And and they said, how did you not know you were a preacher? And he said, I can see everybody in the room but me. Wow. Like I'm, wow. I'm on this platform, and I can see this That's guy's so great true. singing, worship. This guy's great with the camera. This guy's great speaking. So, but I can't see me. Wow. And that's honestly how I felt. I'm going. I can't see me, and so I've got these amazing people around that are calling things out in me. So mm. all of a sudden, I get in this environment where people saying, or people are saying, "I see you. This is what I see in you. You have what it takes." Like calling those things out. Mm. And so then all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize who I am in, mm. in, in the way of going, God, you have called me to be a leader. God, you, you have given me a voice. So go ahead, you Is that like a lost... Yeah. It's almost like this, this, this strange dichotomy between having ambition and having drive. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have drive. Yep. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying we shouldn't have goals. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a strange thing there when it comes to ministry. Like, what is a healthy way to approach your calling mm-hmm. in the ministry? Yep. You know, yep. uh, is it is it okay to have goals? Is it okay to say, you know what, I'm a youth pastor for now, but I really want to be a senior pastor, and and that's where I'm heading. Absolutely. Or do you feel like so, it's more like God is just going to form you as you go? Well, so I think I think the tension I see so biblically, the word that's translated selfish ambition, it's actually one word in the Greek, and it's never used in a positive context. Mm. Never. It's like seven times in the New Testament, it's never used in a positive context. And so, of course, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. So so there is this sense of ambition being connected to selfishness. Yep. I get that. Yep. The tension I used to feel when we would talk about, or I'd hear people talk about selfish ambition, was I also remember in Mark chapter 10, where James and John come to Jesus and they say, hey, can one of us sit on your right and one of us sit on your left yep. when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus begins to talk about and address all the disciples. Mm -hmm. Essentially, he doesn't address their desire to be a leader or to be great in a negative way. He doesn't say, you shouldn't want to do this. What he does is he actually just defines what leadership and greatness is. Mm. So he moves into the space of going, so if you want to lead, we know how uh, the Gentiles rule. Yep. But let me tell you how it works in the kingdom. And he talks about servanthood and sacrifice. But he never says you're wrong for wanting to be great. That's good. Or you're wrong wrong for wanting to be a leader. And then in 1 Timothy, I think it's 3, where Paul is talking about the desire to be a leader in the church or an elder or an overseer, he says you desire a noble thing. Yep. 
That's good. So there's a difference between, to me, selfish ambition and godly desire. Yep. That, really that God puts a desire inside of you to lead. And to me, it has everything to do with the posture of your heart. It's a hard do issue. I want to do this to promote my own platform so I could be the guy or the girl at the top? Yep. Or do I understand that this desire is really about serving and helping other people? Because selfish ambition has to do with you putting your own interest mm-hmm. before uh, what the Lord declares or before the interest of others. But when it comes to this godly desire to lead, that means I am in a place where I'm saying I want to serve people and I'm willing to sacrifice for people. That's the, to me, that's the delineation yeah. where I go. So it's yes, good. I think Jesus never says you're wrong for wanting to be great. Yeah. He just defines what greatness is. What do you, what do you think are some, some ways that we can check our heart? Are there triggers? Are there things that we can identify in ourselves to test our own heart? You know, it says that a lot in scripture, examine yourself. Paul says that examine yourself. What are some ways that we can examine our heart um, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. We can process it together. Yep. But what are ways we we challenge ourselves to make sure that our ambitions are pure? You know, there's there's we're not supposed to have selfish ambition, but one of the fruits of the spirit is self control. Mm-hmm. How do I control myself? How do I check my heart? Yeah, I think the big question is why. Mm-hmm. When you think about whatever you're doing, yeah, why am I doing this? Yep. Or why do I want to do this? Yep. And um, I remember, so there was a time in my life where I was an associate campus pastor and I found out that there was an opening in children's ministry at another campus. Mm-hmm. And because I'd been in children's ministry before, and honestly, I was at a space there where as an associate campus pastor, I didn't know if I wanted to be a campus pastor. I'm going, is this really for me? Is this? And and also felt like that there was some sense of the expectation is that you just keep moving up and and sometimes people are cl- are climbing the ladder and so I thought about going back to children's ministry, mm-hmm. and the reason why was, to be honest with you, I just wanted to give everybody the bird and say, I'm not <laughs> doing that. But that's not the right heart, right. heart either. Like, right. I swung to the whole, so why? So you really, like, you don't want to be a, a campus pastor just because you want to show them? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the most ridiculous. But yeah. again, I'm dealing with with why am I doing what I'm doing. Yep. And I know we've talked it's a little bit identity. about this. It really is. Yeah. And, and so, and a lot of this, you, you and I have talked briefly about some of this before, but a lot of it has to do with, I believe, the whole idea of sonship yes. and orphan yep. and slave hireling yep. mixed in there. And so I I have to come to the table and go, am I responding or am I pursuing something out of a place of an orphan? Yep. Which means, at least my perspective would be, hey, I'm I'm performing, performing. here saying, pick me. Self, like, it's an insecurity. Exactly, because I, I don't. Uh, an orphan feels like they don't have a place where they belong. That's they right. don't have protection. They don't have a family. And so yep. I'm performing, saying, pick me. Yep. And then if you look at a, a slave or an orphan or a hireling, there is this sense that Jesus even said, I am, uh, he said, a slave is is not a permanent member of the family. Yep, you're temporary. Yeah, he, but he doesn't say, like, you're not connected to the family. He just says you're not permanent. And you only get to stay if you perform. Exactly. And yep. so for me, I'm like, then you move to the, the slave and you're going, I'm performing, saying, keep me. Mm-hmm. And and what I found is, especially in the transitions of leaderships, my insecurities flare up and I vacillate yeah. back and forth. Sometimes this is Jelani the orphan. Sometimes this is Jelani operating like a slave. And then sometimes this is Jelani as the son. Yep. And I feel like even as a son, I want to bring glory to my father. Yep. 
but the motivation is not Jelani. The motivation is his kingdom. That's good. And so I, I think you have to go back to asking that question. Why do I do what I do? And why do I want what I want? And I think it's important to have people in your life that will tell you when you have a booger hanging out of your nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like uh, I heard a guy say one time, the hardest person you'll ever lead is yourself because, and I thought this was really good, because you can talk yourself into anything. Mm-hmm. Like you can talk yourself into that bag of Oreos. You know it's not good for you, but you can talk yourself into it pretty quick. And if we're not careful, we can we can deceive ourselves to think that our motives are pure. You know, like, well, yeah, I want to be a senior pastor for mm-hmm. the right reason. Sure, I want to help people get to know Jesus. You, you can tell yourself whatever narrative Absolutely. you want to tell, but um, it's actually kind of rare to find friends that will tell you when you're off. Absolutely, when you really are just mm. off base. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think that is, to me, there's, uh, it's so interesting. Like when you look at, there's a passage of scripture that actually David lists out all of his officials in service for him. And it's mm-hmm. like, this guy yep. was a secretary, uh, whatever you call those people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like treasurer. Yeah. 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 And it's like, he's like, he's a treasury secretary. This guy, yeah. you know, taught his kids. This guy did this. Yep. And then there's a guy named, I think you pronounce it, Hushai. And it says, and he was the king's friend. Hmm. Just a friend. Like, <laughs> like you got this long list of people, and you have one guy, and he says, and he was the king's friend. And then you'll actually find that Solomon had the same thing. Wow. So you've got the warrior king and yep. the wisest king, and both of them had somebody in their line mm. that said, I'll be your friend. Mm. And some translations say counselor. Mm. But I'm like, if if... The warrior king and the wisest king needed a friend. That's really good. Needed someone to speak into them, needed someone to call them out, needed yeah. someone to challenge them or call them up. We need a friend. That's so I agree. Good. I want to shift gears just a little bit. You and I went to lunch before we did this podcast and um, talked a little bit about this, this concept of a cycle that you started seeing in your life. And I think it's important as leaders when we look back at certain areas of our life, we'll see cycles of our gift and talent. Or, or even our assignments. God gives us assignments, and then as you look back over them, you'll you'll notice that, wow, every job I've had, I've been involved in X, you know? And I think for both of us, we started to identify that in a lot of ways, every assignment we've had, um, we've been called to maybe build something up instead of create something. Maybe we're called to recreate something or to craft something new. And this, you know, the concept of a builder versus a rebuilder. And we talked a little bit about that at lunch. What kind of pattern have you seen in your own life? I would I would say that is accurate for my life. I would yeah. say consistently in some form or fashion, I've been a part of transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only ministry that I feel like I started from the ground up would be our fifth and sixth grade ministry. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, even coming in as an elementary director, you're inher- inheriting a team. Yep. Uh, and really, by God's grace, they brought me in to develop some things. But I, I did. I inherited a ministry. Um, and then as a campus pastor, um, I became the campus pastor after the pastor before me had a moral failure. Mm-hmm. And so then it became this this space of transitioning there and yep. working through that process and rebuilding. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved into a, a space that we call a regional campus pastor, so overseeing other campuses mm-hmm. and campus pastors. And as soon as I stepped into that role, within a few months, it was transitioning one campus pastor to another campus. And now in this space, I'm moving to launch a campus, yep. but that also meant 
transitioning the campus that I oversaw to someone else. Mm. And so there, there is this pattern of, of rebuilding. Yep. Uh, and, and in some ways I feel like I get the, the benefit of both. I, yeah. I can look back and say, well, I built here, but primarily it's been rebuilding and, and now I have the opportunity to build again. I just think, you know, so much of leadership books and leadership talks are about building something great. And, in some regard, no matter what we're doing, we're building, quote unquote, building something great. But I, I just, I think there's something to be said, and I'm not old enough yet or wise enough yet to write a book on it, I don't think. But this this concept of building versus rebuilding. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders that are called to be rebuilders. And, and maybe you've taken over a church uh, or taken over a department or taken over a ministry that's been people long before you. And I always just like to say that I'm not the pastor. I'm the interim pastor. I'm the I'm not the president of TKU. I'm the interim president of TKU yep. because somebody's going to come behind me. Um, I'm not going to be here forever. Whether I built this or rebuilt this, it really doesn't matter. And you know Nehemiah didn't build anything. He rebuilt something. Mm-hmm. He he walked into something where the walls was in shambles and he had to pick up the pieces and and protect. But said they had a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. Yep. And they had to find the weak parts in the wall. And there's so many amazing leadership principles in the book of Nehemiah. So I just think I wanted to, to touch on that. You can share more if you want. It's not even in our talking notes. But I just think there's there's people out there. I remember I've sat in in the church that I pastor several times, and, and even here at TKU. And I'll get – I remember one time I was sitting in the auditorium of Victory Church about to preach. And I remember looking around going, I didn't build any of this. I didn't. I didn't craft one architecture drawing. I didn't build this, but God called me in, in some respect to be a part of rebuilding for the next season, for the next thing, for the church. And I think sometimes we can beat ourselves up as leaders because we don't see ourselves as that significant, but there's always something that God's wanting to rebuild in us. And there's a lot of churches that need to be rebuilt. Absolutely. I think planting churches is amazing, but if you're thinking about planting a church, you might also say, Lord, do you want me to rebuild a church? Maybe there's a church that needs to be rebirthed and re- renewed. So I don't know if you have anything to add on that or well, not. Well, first of all, I think you are old enough to write the book. I mean, you got to be 65, 66, right, John? So. <laughs> you have a lot more gray in your beard than I do, young man. <laughs> that is true. That's very true. We're both the same age. I found that out Are you today. 41? I'm 41. Okay. All right. I'm 41. But when's your birthday? August 9th. Mm, you're about to be 42. So you when's were, yours? Uh, mine is January 17th. So you are born in the 70s. I was born in 79. It's a whole different, but I'm, I'm a millennial, basically. That's what I am. I'm, you are a baby boomer, my friend. I'm Gen X. Don't put that <laughs> on me. Baby. I'm the in-between generation. I'm the nobody Great generation. Depression, you know what friend. they refer to my generation as? What? The forgotten generation. Mm, mm, See, you just mm. showed you forgot it. You went straight from millennial to baby boomer. No, you forgot us Gen Xers. Come on, Gen Xers out there. Can Somebody I get an amen? Sensitive. Somebody's sensitive right now. I have now. a wound. It's a heart wound. Well, let's rebuild that, John. We just need to rebuild that. behind my stone. No, I I love that you you brought that conversation up because I do think, in fact, in some ways, we're we're all recipients of something that happened before us. Mm -hmm. Like, in some ways, we're standing on the shoulders of the people that went before us. I even love, like, the this is going to go off on a rabbit trail. We'll come right back. I like rabbit trails. Do it. So... I'm talking to you right now, but some of what you're hearing is what my mom put inside so of me. So true. 
and my dad put inside me yep. and my grandmother. Uh, and so it's just adding on to yep. what was already there. Yep. And so there is a place for that to go, man. We're, we're adding good. on. I think it's important, though, because what some of the things that I've just learned in, in the rebuilding process and in some of those transitions, first of all, even if you think about Psalm 23, mm-hmm. it's actually a psalm about transition. Mm. Like, like, think about it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So you got this established, he's the shepherd. Yep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Mm-hmm. So I'm in green pastures now. He leads mm-hmm. me beside still waters. Wait a minute, now I'm at the waters. Yep. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his yep. name's sake. I'm like, I'm moving here. Yep. Um, then I'm in the presence of my enemies all And then the sudden. presence of my enemies. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm at the table yeah. at one point, and I'm going through the valley. Yeah. And so part of it is you go, this... Uh, as a believer, let's just you take pastor off of it. As a believer, yep. if I'm following the shepherd, there is a sense that I will be moving. Mm. I'm in transition here. That and and so you have to have this anchor that yeah. no matter what the season looks like, the good shepherd is your anchor. This That's is so the one good. that I'm following through that. But in these transitions, what I've seen is one, I always eat fruit from the tree somebody else planted. Mm-hmm. Always. Yep. And sometimes that fruit is sweet and sometimes that's, that fruit is bitter. Mm. And so when it's sweet, I celebrate. Yep. When it's bitter, I guard my heart. Mm. That's um, good. And I think even stepping into something like this, the questions that people are typically asking, if you step in as a new leader building this, people want to know in, in general, one, they want to know, do you choose me? Mm-hmm. Yep. They want to know. Do yep. you pick me? You're the new yep. leader. Do you value do you, me? Do, yeah. Do you choose yep. me? And then they're asking the question, can I trust you? Yep. That, that's and, and trust is made up of three things. It's competency. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know how to do the job? Um, it's your character. Mm-hmm. And um, it's do you care? Mm. So the reality is any, any of these times where I've walked through transition, inherited a new team, rebuilt something, I know going into this, I'm going to inherit fruit that somebody else planted. Yep. I'm going to celebrate what's good. I'm going to guard my heart when it's not good. That's good. But I also know that the, everybody I see out there, they're asking a question. Mm. Do you choose me? That's good. And can I trust you? And I know these are the things that I build trust. I, I'll say one last thing. I heard Pastor Brady Boyd say this uh, once going out to New Life Church in Colorado. Yep. He said someone told him... And I hope I'm quoting this right. He said, someone told them, Brady, told him, Brady, these people need a pastor, not a prophet. Mm. Um, in the sense of going, yes, we need a prophet to speak the future and vision and yeah. those things. But they're so broken right now yeah. that make sure you come in and love them yep. and pastor them and walk with them. And that some of those things have been a part of the process when, when by God's grace, I've been a part of some of those transitions to yeah. go... These people need to be pastored. And yes, we're going to give them vision at the appropriate time, but they need to be pastored. And they're asking, do you choose me? They want to know that, and can I trust you? That's so good. I remember um, whenever I first became the lead pastor at Victor Church, it was on the heels of a moral failure. Church was in shambles. It was painful. It hurt. And about a year in, I was having kind of one of those fetal position moments as a pastor, and every pastor has been in one of those uh, positions. But... um, Brady Boyd encouraged me a lot, uh, but there's one particular time Pastor Jimmy Evans called me, and I was just pouring out my guts to him and telling him all the problems, you know, all the problems that I'm dealing with. And he said basically what you just said, this good fruit, bad fruit thing. He said, John, you've woke up in the middle of somebody else's harvest, mm. and you're you're standing in a field filled with wheat or picture whatever kind of harvest you want to picture, and you're standing in a field filled with uh, fruit 
or a harvest that you didn't sow the seeds for. And he, in a very like fatherly disciplinary, disciplinary way, he said, stop worrying about the fruit that you didn't sow the seed of. So good. And he said, stop focusing on the fruit and just start throwing down seed. And nobody wants to sow seed because it takes a really long time. They just want to eat fruit, but forget about fruit. You're not going to have any fruit for a while. So, so stop good. whining about fruit That's and great. just start sowing seed. It's great. And and then he said something that was very comforting and encouraging. And so, he said, and someday you'll wake up and you'll be feasting on your own your own fruit. So good. And that that gave me the the it gave me what I needed for that day to say, okay, this isn't my problem. I mean, it's my problem because I'm the leader. But as the guy coming in as the transitional leader, what I'm seeing is not my problem. I didn't produce any of this exactly because as leaders we self-identify. Yep. You know, we take the blame for well, this is all my fault. This this is on me. But there's certain things as a transitional leader that's not on you. Mm-hmm. That's that's on your predecessor, yep. good or bad. Yep. There's some things that that predecessors do that's amazing that you're feasting on good fruit. Exactly. Um, so I just think that's so important for leaders to to have that concept and have that frame of reference. Well, I think it's also to to your point. He said someday. Yes. So the reality it is takes this, the pressure off. Yes, today's not pressure. that day. Exactly, and it's going to take some time. <laughs> yes. And I think that's one of the things, especially from a leadership standpoint, we want to get things done right then and right there. And it does take some time. You were even saying uh, that from a culture standpoint, mm-hmm. for you, it took about five years. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's and, and yep. so that's just the reality that we want to move faster, but it's going to take some time, and that does it takes some pressure off. Yeah. So. Um, Let's talk about pastors needing to keep it all together. The perception, you know, uh, and I don't know where I'm going with this quite yet. It may go nowhere and it'll be a train wreck. That's okay. You can laugh. Uh, the per- this perception. It, it's what? because you're about to turn 42 and you are <laughs> a forgotten generation. So wait, you don't turn 42 until January? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm way older than you. Bro, you barely, I mean, like, so I felt much, like when we were walking out of the restaurant, so much more wisdom I was than going you. to carry you. I mean, it, it was I just so like, much more wisdom I, I felt you. like you were dragging your right leg just to get by. <laughs> you have four kids, so that's equal to like 10 years. <laughs> that is aging. very true. That's very So really, I'm probably And you still have your hair. So that's, I do still that's have my hair. And Baldy. This, I would look like George Jefferson if I grew my <laughs> hair out. It would not be good. Oh, that's awesome. Jalali Pop. <laughs> Please edit this. No, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever thing you say to me, I can just come back with Jelani Jil- 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 Pop, and it's a or Jelani instant one, instant one. Okay, so do you ever feel the pressure as a pastor to have it all together? I, I feel the pressure, yes, but it is significantly less because of the environment I'm in. So I feel like Pastor Robert, our senior pastor at Gateway, has created an environment by his transparency from the platform Mm -hmm. that has removed uh, some of the pressure to feel like you've got to have it all together. Uh, For me, it's been very, very helpful because, again, I told you, I came in just a hot mess. And I remember early on, um, we had uh, Freedom Ministry at the time – and my bosses said to me, they said, Jelani, you, you know it's okay for you to go and see someone about your issues. Mm-hmm. 
because there was just a stigma. For, like I'm thinking if, if I go and talk to somebody about some of the things I'm struggling with and I work at a church, am I going to be fired? Uh, is this okay? Yep. And I came in with, with that mentality and to have my bosses sit me down and say, we want you to do this mm. and it's okay was liberating for me. And so I feel like that's been chipped away. I feel like I grew up in churches where I'm not saying the pastor intended it for, yeah. for it to be this way, yeah. but my perception of my senior pastor was perfection or he had to have it all together. Mm-hmm. And I think I carried some of that into Gateway. I also think that goes back to some of our own conversation. I, because I vacillated between orphan, yep. slave. Yep, uh, I was about to bring I, I think, the same thing Yeah, up. so I, I carried some it's of an those orphan things. Heart. Exactly. And yep. so um, I feel like that, yes, but but the pressure is very, it's, it's minimized mm-hmm. in the sense that one, because of the work environment, and two, because of, I think, especially the generation that we're in and the people that they want real. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I yes. had, there was a gentleman at my house yesterday, a childhood friend, as a matter of fact, at my house on Sunday, hadn't seen him, um, actually spent a significant amount of time with him since we were kids. Wow. And we reconnected and he brought his family over and we were just talking about church stuff. And he's not involved in, in ministry or anything, but he said something to me. We were talking about um, just different churches, and he's like, well, I don't really like the music here, you know, and we were talking mm-hmm. through that. And then he made this statement. He said, but I'll tell you what I do like about church now that I'm going to. He said, um, our pastor preaches in a way where you don't have to be perfect. Mm. And I like that wow. because I didn't feel that way growing up. And I would just say I, I think there is – and some of it is is shame related, where I feel mm-hmm. like I need to be perfect, uh, perfect because I'm wrestling through the shame. And again, that goes yep. back to identity. Yep. Uh, so to answer your question directly, I feel it sometimes depending on where I'm vacillating. Yep. But the environment that I work in, it's I really think, important. is the less than conducive, uh, is is uh, very conducive to be imperfect. That's really good. Yep. Do you have any? What time are we? Okay, we're at thirty some something minutes. I'm just thirty. We just flow 41. so well it's, together, it's, Jelani. It's a I flow. Just, I don't know. I've lost all track of time. You're just. So- I mean, it, it sounds like we have like a candle burning between us, and we're sharing dessert. I mean, that, that <laughs> just lost all track oh, of man. time. I could I could talk to you for hours, Jelani. <laughs> so, uh, going back to the goals thing, uh, I don't know if Craig Groeschel coined this term or not. The BHAG. You heard of BHAG? Mm-hmm. Big, big, hairy, big, audacious hairy, goal. audacious goal. Mm-hmm. Did he? Did he? Probably not. I think that there's was nothing probably, new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun, and it sounds like not that he's not written some incredible leadership books, but I feel like I may have heard, first heard it in another leadership book. Or something. You're probably right. Yeah. But what a cool concept! It is a great B-hack. concept. Yeah. Um, sounds like you're calling somebody a name. It does. It does. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go well in my hood growing up. You, you couldn't go around. <laughs> Would you call me? You be hag. Would you call me Jelani exactly. Pop? It would. <laughs> So okay, I'm just gonna find every yeah, chance I see I can that every time, every time. Do you have any B hags? I do, but you can't talk about. No, them on I'm going to talk about it. I, I, <laughs> I, they honestly, some of it, um, because I don't, I don't want to. I just say it because I don't want to. I feel like I'm getting. I feel like I'm getting exclusive here. Like I, I know. All, you heard no, it here first. No, folks. no, no, no. Because you're you're probably be you may be disappointed when I, <laughs> when I talk about the big hair audacious go. I, I feel like John there when I started in ministry, mm-hmm. and I saw some things that I did with some of the other kids of pastors and yeah. leaders. I I really decided 
I did not want the church that by God's grace I pastor to say things about me that my kids can't say. Wow. I, I said, I, I don't want my kids. I remember speaking to a men's group going, I don't want my kids. I don't want you to say, Jelani was there for me. Yeah. Jelani counseled me. Jelani walked don't. with me, and my kids can't say that. So there is a part of me that goes with with my family yeah. and my wife. I go, I, I don't ever want the church to say something yeah. that my um, my kids uh, kids and my wife can't say. So, like I said, for me, it and I think so. I don't think through it the lens of I think through it from the lens of success as I, opposed to just this big hairy audacious go. I go this for me has to do with success, and that's what one of the things. I agree. I think I think for me, mine's kind of similar, and I'll tell you in, in a second. But my BHAG would not be title oriented or it's a great know, way to put that yep. success oriented. Well, it is a success, but not in a monetary yes. fashion. I, I like that one. I, one of my biggest, and I hesitate to use the word fears, but one of my biggest um, goals, BHAGs, is, this isn't mine, but is I don't want to sacrifice my family on the altar exactly. of church. Yep. I don't want to. I don't want to build a great church or build a great ministry and be known or you know whatever that side of the ministry looks like. But I've lost my own exactly kids. Yep, you know that's a that's a heavy one. For me, my dad and I talk about this a lot because my dad pastored for twenty two years, and uh, I think the the rarity of this is super depressing. But one of my biggest behags is I want to finish well. I want to, and it's so ridiculous to how rare that is. Very rare. You know, Moses didn't finish well. No. Yep. Uh, so I. I and Moses was a great leader. But you know what scares me about Moses? And this is the part that, for me, I goes back to just dealing with your own heart, mm-hmm. is when God told Moses to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock, right? Yep, yep. The water still came out. Still came out. That's truth. And you go, this guy was in disobedience, and God still provided for the people. Yep. And as a pastor, you can go, man, I just preached, and God moved, and you think you're okay, and your heart's not in the right place. Dude, dude. I would, who cares? Let's just keep talking, because yeah. that's super big. Absolutely. I've, seen, I've witnessed firsthand, uh, I don't want to go into the details, but I've witnessed firsthand knowing someone in the ministry who was living a life of sin, egregious sin, Tons of fruit in the ministry, and I I was boggled. It boggled my mind that somebody could preach a sermon, living in sin, do a call to Christ, and people come forward. Yep. And one of the biggest things that that the Lord taught me in that season was a very simple but profound truth: is the Word of God never returns void. Exactly. It doesn't matter who's saying yep. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Word of God is that strong. The gospel is that strong. And so that's such a good point. And that's a danger for leaders because we can see fruit and be exactly. like, oh, well, I'm, I'm great. Exactly. So we, we base the condition of our heart on the fruit that we see mm, around us. That's so good. And, and so just to your point, I mean, I, I feel like I tell people I broke my wings before I got in the ministry. I was such a mess. <laughs> so I was flapping around there. But I'm like you. I, I can name just a couple of people yeah. that I look at and, and I go, you 
you finish well. That's one of the reasons why I appreciate even the Kings University and Jack yeah. Hayford. I'm going. I was going to bring him this up. This man, yeah. it's amazing to watch him. Yeah. And I remember him saying, uh, we were in a meeting one time, uh, not just Jack and I. I'm yeah. not, not cool with Jack that, but I mean, it was like a group of us. So maybe <laughs> me clear. and Jack were hanging out. Yeah, the it, was day. Just, it was a group of us, and we were talking about being Jalali. It was just a mess. <laughs> so, um, but somebody asked Jack Hayford, they said, can you tell us about your spiritual disciplines or your daily routine? And we're all thinking we want to hear how much time he spends in the Word, yeah. you know, how worship. And he actually addressed it. He said, he said, I could tell you about my quiet time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I try to live each day with integrity of heart, with mm-hmm. an open heart of integrity before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I went, that's how he got there. That's so good. That every day he wanted to live with an open heart of integrity. And so I'm with you. I, I just, I want to finish well. And yep. I want... Uh, I want, I want uh, my wife and I talk about this that for our family. We go, we want to make it easy for our kids to say yes to Jesus. Mm, that's a so good I want to live in a way that's good. that I make it easy for my kids to say yes. I can't make them say yes, mm-hmm. but I can make it easier for them by yeah. the way in which I lead and love and care for them. Yeah. I want to, to raise my family in a way that when they leave, and they have the option of whether to come back home and visit. They want to come <laughs> they back home. They want to come home. They actually want to come home. That's so true. And I want to raise my family in a way that when they leave, I love and like my wife. Mm. So that so that seen that happen a lot too. Exactly. So we're going. We want to do things now that help with those three things. Yeah. That by the time uh, our kids leave the house, I still know my wife. I mm. still like her and still love her, yep. and I want to finish well. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's so good. I, I, I by no means think Jack Hayford was perfect. There's no such he thing as a perfect man. He was perfect. Okay, <laughs> let's just be very clear. If you're listening to this, Pastor Jack, to me, you were perfect. Yeah, uh, I've gotten to spend time with him about three times now. Um, and he, you know, he's at a place now where I don't know if I'll get to do that anymore. He's uh, a little more isolated. Didn't now, you go to school with Pastor Jack? I mean, I yeah, yeah. Your... <laughs> get all my wisdom from him back saying. in the 1970s. <laughs> Great depression. You... The 1970s. Cause I am from the seventies, you know, <laughs> I lived in the seventies for four months. <laughs> I grew up in the 70s. You grew up in the 70s. <laughs> Cut my teeth <laughs> in my bell-bottom jeans, <laughs> disco dancing. Disco with roller skates. No, you you were roller skating. The old school roll bounce. That was you. If y'all could hang out with me and Jelani sometimes, you would realize how far off track we get. Like one minute we're talking about Jack Hayford, 30, not even 30, 20, 15 seconds later we're talking about roller skates. How do you even get there? I don't how know. do you get there? Yeah, it's... Well, John, I love you. I just love said you too, Jalali. Brother. I don't know what I said. Because <laughs> J- you wanted Jalali to say Jalali Bob. And the Lord, the Lord actually twisted your tongue <laughs> to make sure you didn't go out that way. <laughs> I like the Tower yeah. of Babel. Man, I love you. I appreciate love you. you too, Thanks man. for coming on. Honored to be and, here. Um, any, any parting words to our listeners that you would give them a word of encouragement or, uh, you know? Well, I, I think the only thing I – well, let me say this to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, I recognize – I think we talked maybe a couple of years ago when you were kind of starting this podcast, and I know that God has blessed it. And I just appreciate you, John, very much of opening up different conversations to yeah. really help leaders and help pastors and help people learn and grow. So I just want to tell you thank yeah, you for that. that. Uh, I do think uh, – I think the biggest thing for me, I think it's maybe Second Timothy 4, 2, where Paul says to Timothy, um, 
be instant in season and out of mm-hmm. season, you know, starts off saying preach the word. Yeah. And so my understanding of being instant in season or ready in season and out of season is actually military mm. uh, verbiage. And he's essentially saying to Timothy, stay at your post mm. until you're reassigned. That's so good. And in other words, Timothy, in the good season, be faithful, mm. and the bad season, be faithful. That's a good And word. I think when, when we just, in a lot of the conversation that we talked about at the end of the day, when we started talking about success, to me, the question is, what does faithfulness look like? Mm. What does it look like to be faithful, mm. uh, to stay at your post? And I would just encourage that wherever you are. What does it look like to be faithful to what's before you and to stay at your post until you're reassigned? That'll preach. That's so good. Man your post. Okay. Listeners, if you hear me preach a sermon in a couple of months titled Man Your Post, I did not steal that from Jelani. You know where it came from. That was mine first, and Jelani stole it from me. My interpretation of the Greek is off. (laughs) 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 Please correct it. (laughs) Listeners, thanks for uh, joining us today. Jelani, uh, if they want to track you down, how can they get in touch with you? In, in, social media, whatever. So don't uh, give me your cell phone number. Just, <laughs> just. I was gonna give them yours. What's your Instagram post? What's look, your handle? This, you know, it's a great point. I'd have to text my wife. I know on Facebook we're Jelani and Aaron. Okay. And I think our uh, Instagram is something like that as well. Jelani okay. Let and me. Aaron. Uh, don't try to connect with him on social media. <laughs> so, so clear, uh, he is not going to reply. Clearly, I'm not a millennial. Let's if be you want to get a hold of Jelani, go to no. Gateway Frisco. No, soon to don't be Plano. go to Gateway Frisco. Just go to Jelani.Lewis at gatewaypeople.com. Wow, he gave his address. There you go. Jelani.Lewis at Gateway. We may need to edit that. No, nope, we're going out. <laughs> Jelani.Lewis at gatewaypeople.com. All but right. if you follow, if you do social media, uh, my wife always gets it to me. So seriously, <laughs> just, if, if you want to send something there, she'll she'll relay That's it to hilarious. me. But I, I won't know what's going on. Oh, man. Well, listeners, thanks for listening today. Uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, hey, give us a like. Uh, give us a comment on whatever platform you listen to this. That actually really does help us in ratings, helps get the word out. Uh, also, we would love for you to comment on social media. Take us, take a picture of this podcast on your phone. Post it. Give us some, give us some love. Help us spread the word. Uh, until then, we love you, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered evangelical university in South Lake, Texas. To learn more, visit tku.edu.